0: Today, I want to do uh, a little bit of a um, prophetic update. Uh, We are living in unusual times, right? And uh, you can see unusual things happening in the nation, you can see unusual things happening. Uh, right down to locally. You know, there's all sorts of things at play at the moment. Um, Who knows, you know, schools are different at the moment. I'm sure the NHS has been a bit different the last few years. Uh, And even even Revive Church, that stalwart of traditional continuation that never changes, is different. And so I just thought it would be really good to just look at some of the prophetic things that God's been saying and remind ourselves where we're going because it's really important. And the importance of it, I can show you here from 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Timothy 1, 18. And it's the Apostle Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, giving him advice. And he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. Uh, uh, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle Well, everybody say, fight the battle well. Uh, We're in a battle. Anybody? Right? It's not all just easy, is it? You know, there are things to overcome. There's things the devil does. That nasty little thing. I had a less polite word in my mind, but I thought, oh, no, congregation, half of them might not like it. The other half mischievous lot would like, but, you know, I'll look after the rest of you. So you've got the devil, but we've got the world and the pressure and the distraction and the busyness. uh, And then you've got the problem of what's between your own ears. Anybody, you know, Uh, we don't live real life. We see perception and uh, honestly, somebody can be incredibly blessed and terribly depressed about it, and then you've got somebody over here that's really having a hard time, but somehow what's within them, their constitution, keeps them happy and sane and joyful. Isn't living weird? And isn't it complex? And so God help us with what goes on on the inside of our lives, amen? Um, uh, and, And God help us to be, for our soul to prosper, that verse. Uh, so that internally we're strong. Here we've got this sense of you're in a battle, and he tells him this, Timothy, um, I'm giving you a command in keeping with the prophecies. Let's just pause on that sentence for a minute. I'm giving you a command based on prophetic words from God. It's just a thought for a minute. What prophetic words have you had that you need to shape into things that you obey and observe. We can sometimes approach New Testament Christianity as if it's a little bit like Old Testament. Just give me the Ten Commandments. Went to church on Sunday, tick. Tithed, well, 8% close enough, tick. Half a tick, see me. Um, uh, You know, uh, we we can do the, uh, read my Bible today, tick. But is God speaking and shaping your life, the Bible should be not a set of rules that if we tick, 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 we're doing okay. It should be a launch pad that launches us into a relationship with God that's vibrant and dynamic. I mean, the wonder of the book really is that there's so many different people that live with God in different ways. Uh, you know, sometimes we almost turn it round the other way, don't we? Cookie cutter, uh, or I, I prefer to call it sausage machine. You know, out plops another charismatic Christian. And we all look the same and we're supposed to like the same songs. We really don't. We're supposed to like the same kind of churches. We really don't. We are all incredibly unique. And what's most important is that God is speaking to you about your life. What are the commands that you need to keep that are not from Scripture, but you've simply heard them from heaven? Because the Apostle Paul here is saying, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies so that by recalling the prophetic words that I've given you, you may battle well. Maybe some of us battle badly because we forget things that God's told us. Like for one that is very personal to me, and you could be told the complete opposite by God. My personality, I want to do everything quick. Anybody else here? I don't believe in patience. But if God's going to give me patience, he needs to give it me now. Right? I don't do slow very well. And God, all my life that I have been aware and open to the concept of God speaking, has always whispered. He's never said to me, speed up. He's never said, you need to get a little bit more urgent, Jared. He's always gone, slow down. I'm like, but I don't want to. Come on, you know, I'm 52 now. I've only got 52 years left. I'll get, my, I'll get my 100th birthday card from the next king, I guess. I don't know. Um, so God's always saying to me, slow down. But maybe with you, he's saying, uh, would you speed up a bit? You know, you're so slow, you're horizontal, you know. Um, what's God's word to you? And, and you won't. You'll, you'll find the essence of it and the reasoning for it in the Bible. But you have your personal commands from heaven. Uh, your personal words have you developed a life not just based on ten broad commandments of modern Pentecostal charismatic Christianity but rather what's God said to you where is he telling you to accelerate, where is he telling you to slow what's he telling you to do, where is he saying you can go, where is he saying you can't go what's the purpose of your life there's whispers from heaven and here's the thing we won't fight well if we can't hear the voice of the captain of the army of the Lord. We, we, we won't get our place in rank where we're supposed to be if I don't have the voice of God whispering into my soul, you know. You've got to be able to stand in a crowd that are all going that way and in your own heart, know, but I'm supposed to go that way. And I don't for a minute feel intimidated by the fact that loads of good people are going that. Loads of good people are speeding up and God's saying, but you slow down. Loads of people are seeing uh, success, but God says to you, just you wait. Loads of people seem to be riding the heights of God's purpose, and God's just saying, just trust me. Trust my perfect timing for you. Everybody's getting married. You do not run around hunting. You know better to wait for the person I give you than be married to a moron. Right. There's personal commands. And, in fact, we can't live this life just by ticking the boxes. We need to know the prophetic words that God has shared. Amen. And so with the season that we're in, um, for me, the, the current season kind of began in about 2017. And some of you will, will have heard some of this, but I'm recalling. Everybody say recall. So today we're going to have a total recall. A few men in the yeah yeah. Everyone else went, mm, don't know what that means. Total recall. It's a movie, that's why. Um, total recall of what God's been saying and a little bit of a sense of okay so how do we navigate where we're at because things feel unusual but God has been warning us and giving us instructions amen and so we build commands and obediences and observations and styles based on that so uh, uh, in 2017, um, I, I was having a, a prayer sabbatical, and it was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, that time when Martin Luther nailed that uh, 95 theses to a church castle door, and it reverberated around the world, transforming Uh, Christianity, essentially, over five centuries from being a thing where you didn't really have your own Bible. Everybody spoke in Latin in church. Can you imagine that? You just sat there. Everyone was speaking and chanting in Latin. The only relationship you had with God was to come and we'd create a little, like, two telephone boxes pushed together with a little hole between. And you can come and tell me your sins. And then I'd tell you how much money you owe to just get rid of them. That was Christianity. 500 years ago right and along came Martin Luther saying no we have our own relationship with God by faith uh, you can't buy your way through indulgences into power or to absolve yourself from purgatory You, you—it it is the forgiveness of Christ and there were you know 93 other things that, that you and I value today even if we don't realize it just thank God you weren't born 600 years ago because I mean now you wouldn't look as good as you look now anyway you know 500 years ago this man without the aid of the internet or an international ministry with a newsletter uh, transformed the world by saying you and i have a relationship with god and for 500 years there's been a reformation of the church but as some of you will know you know I, i began to study in this prayer sabbatical back through and all the way from the time of noah you find that every 500 years, God adjusts what He's doing on the earth, like a battleship turning in the sea. And and so, you know, think of the main characters. Noah happened at a five-year pivot point. Abraham happened at a five-year pivot point. Moses happened at a 500-year pivot point. Uh, David happened at a five hundred year pivot point. The exile happened at a five hundred year pivot point. Jesus came at a five is anybody getting excited? Jesus came at a five hundred year pivot point. Then the dark ages began at a five hundred year pivot point because that 's when the Roman Empire just began to collapse. Uh, And then you had a thousand years of dark ages, halfway through the church split in two. There was a great schism and a great change again in the church in that time. And that leads us right up to 500 years ago. And so listen, you are alive at a pivot point like when Noah came and Abraham came and Moses came and David came and the exile happened and Jesus came and the dark ages started and the dark ages ended you're alive at a pivot point in history often accompanied by great unrest often accompanied by global things like pandemics or floods there is this incredible shifting of the battleship in the sea and you're alive at a pivot point in history everybody say wow then say it backwards wow wow right okay And so here you are, alive at an incredibly important moment in history. While we're worrying about energy bills, God is saying, don't worry, I've got this. I'm shifting my people like a battleship in the sea. Don't be taken up and disturbed and distracted by the small things of life. I've got you. I'm your father. I'm with you. I'm holding you. I'm for you. And as I began to pray, I, I found, so what happens? We've had 500 years of reforming or rebuilding the temple, the tabernacle, the church, the sense of what God's doing. And if we track back through history, you go through times like the Wesley's 300 years ago, and, and then right up to the Pentecostal revivals that started a little over 100 years ago. Imagine it, 200 years ago, hardly anyone was speaking in tongues. It would have been a historical event to write down. Today, half a billion people around the planet speak in tongues and Every Sunday all week and nobody bats an eyelid. More has gone on than we know as we sit in the dull look of our lives wondering what, you know, what life throws at us. And here we are sat at an amazing pivot point in history. And I believe we're at the time when, hmm, how can I speed this up so I don't take too long? Faith, miracles, tongues, deliverance, intercession, a relationship with God by faith, a personal one, so that it isn't priest and laity, it's just the family of God, you know, Uh, all these things layer after layer have been reformed for 500 years. Uh, and even in certainly my lifetime prophets have been restored to the church in a way that they weren't before then even in the last 15 to 20 years apostles have been restored and the apostle is the highest form of leadership in God's servant leadership church structure, right? It's the first apostles, so actually that means last apostles, and that's what's happened last in the last 20 years. Now you find apostles and apostolic ministries and apostolic movements, which means high-level strategic thinking uh, across wide areas, not just local church. They have been restored just in the last 20 years, and it's almost like the, the, the capstone in the things that God has been developing. And and here's my thought. So if God has finished 500 years of reforming his temple, his church, what happens in the Bible when a temple is complete or a tabernacle is finished and it's built according to the pattern that God wants? Right? If you know your Bible, you'll, you'll be able to track right back through all of that. The thing that happens when everything's put back together and then you present it to God in the Bible is he comes and fills that with his glory. Because what are you making? You're making a home for God in the way he likes it. He likes the sofa there, not there. Right? He likes a rocking chair there so we can look out of the window while he's praying. Does God pray? Let's not start that. Um, he, he, he likes things set out a certain way. It's his church, not ours. Amen? And so we're servants in the body of Christ, in the home of Christ, and the whole thing has been put back together. I believe we are entering an era of the manifest presence and glory of God available to us like never before. Uh, What are the signs of this? Well, let's do it statistically. Do you realize that more people are raised from the dead now than ever in history? Right around the world, more people are being raised from the dead. I mean, God is on the move. I remember being on the stage with Reinhard Bonnke in, in Lagos, Nigeria, the year 2000. And when he led over a million people to the Lord in one service. Now, I'm a Welshman. I love the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival saw 100,000 people saved. I stood on the stage, and 10 Welsh Revivals got saved in a single service. It was 3.5 million people over five nights. Come on, somebody. In other words, there's an acceleration of the things that God is doing in the earth. Why am I saying all this? Because it's so easy to get dull, isn't it? Paying off me mortgage. Worrying about the things the telly tells me to worry about. Over-scrolling through social media. Arguments with the neighbours. Life. Their body's not working. The kids aren't working. Their marriage didn't work. You know, it's just life. And there's God in heaven dancing around going, it's a bit of a point in history. I mean, the end result of my dream is, this is God speaking, is that the, 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 the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I mean, literally, is the knowledge of the glory, the experience of the glory of the Lord. Not the theoretical reading of the Bible, but the experience of God's goodness is to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That means miracles on corners. Listen. If you look back through history, you'll find times when people like you and me went into hospitals and emptied entire wards with the power of God. How's about doing that again? Not because you're special or I'm special, but just because of the time in which you live. That God is here and His power is available. Girl, So how are we to shape our lives around the fact that God's saying, I, I know it might not feel like it if you overindulge on certain distractions, but this is a most exciting time to be alive. And a, well, actually, we go, well, you know what? The world is pretty fractious. And here's, here's a temptation, and actually, church doesn't seem that exciting at the moment. Come on, somebody. Look at the pastor and smile. Because even the pastor feels that. And yet you've got perception, and then you've got, but here's what I'm trying to do. This is why we're in a massive pivot point when what we have been doing will no longer work. So church, we're at a challenging pivot point in our church life. But what do we know that God wants to do? I want to do something glorious naturally your dull Sunday by Sunday religion ain't ever gonna scratch the surface of it. I need to get you somewhere, so let me start to strip away some of the props. Let me strip away some of the things that fill your mind and that you think church is, and that you, and this this is my this is what I do, this is what we do, this is where I serve, this is how I serve, this is what I like, what I dislike. And God's there, picking it all apart, and then going right. I, I actually just need to get you alone in a garden, and we need to have some good chats because this is a pivot point, and I I need you shaken like Martin Luther shook the church. you know you, you kind of go oh, I don't need shaking really how many people you led to the Lord this week then? Is, is it really, is it really? Well, what you mean is you're happy and content with religion and I'll, I'll go around the block and I'll preserve my block and I'll, ask, I'll tell people not to move my block but it's my block but God comes along and says so how many miracles this week How much did you walk with me and hear my voice how many people did you lead to the lord is is it really working like the book of acts if 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 jesus said to us you'll do greater things than i did i mean do we really believe it or do we yada 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 it you know there's a challenge right to our very core what we need is revival i mean in a sense there's been a reformation now we need to revive what's in the reformation because oh, let's be honest, it's possible. Even though the church looks different to 500 years ago, it's possible to become dull in the mundane movement of what we're in. It's possible to die in the method. What do they call a rut? It's a grave with the ends kicked out, isn't it? It's possible to be in the rut of what we do and think. Well, this is just what we do. I'm not quite sure why we do it anymore, but we do it, and somehow it feels good because the neural pathways are laid and it's reassuring to me, and it gives me a little dopamine hit, and I'm happy. But that doesn't mean it's God. That's just the stuff of emotion and psychology. What about actually finding God? What about the God of all glory who raises the dead? What about God who causes incredible things to happen? come on somebody there's a God who wants to stir us what about fire in our hearts I mean go for religion if you want but please go down the road for it right here we must open a well to the reality of who God is because if not we end up all religious like the woman at the well just sat there you know Samaritan slight chip on the shoulder John 4 you know the story and Jesus comes up asks for a glass of water I mean isn't he incredible? incredibly normal What would Jesus say to you if you met him? He might just say, Can I have a Fanta, please? Do you know what I mean? You just not go, Oh, you know. And she goes into her, Oh, okay, you're a man of God. She goes straight into into her religious preference and tradition and history and where we should worship. And these say that and they say the other, you know, almost like a good Protestant Christian. She goes off on one. And actually there's Jesus offering her a drink of life that could become in her a well. We're alive at an amazing point in history. The last thing this should be is boring, right? The last thing you and I should be is bored. So if anyone's bored and weary and tired, shake it off. Yeah, I'm preaching to myself. Shake it off, Cooper. um so here we are in the midst of this 500 year pivot point and i i believe god is shaking the very roots of religion shaking the very roots of church that's more empire building than kingdom building Shaking the roots of, of self and selfishness, shaking the roots of consumer Christianity. I'll strip away your bands if I want to. I'll strip away all your niceties if I want to and, and, and bring it right back to, oh, can you just imagine being like the early church? It's just you and me and a dusty road and an old scroll, but we've got God with us. And angels are turning up and prison doors are pinging open when we praise and people are getting saved and we're baptizing people in, in rivers. Come on. We know it's revival when we're baptizing in the home. Somebody, right? Doesn't matter what colour you go down, you're coming up brown. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it is just the muddy. I want to do a hot chocolate called the muddy Humber. Do you know what I'm saying? Right? Can you? You know it's God when you're getting baptised in the Humber, right? Can you, can, can you imagine it when it's, when it's just fire? I mean, listen, let's, let's... Did somebody say this the other day? I can't remember, but I'm nicking it from someone. So there you go. That's the closest I can get to an endorsement or whatever it is. But, but you know in the Old Testament, if you joined the Jews as an adult man, you, you had to get circumcised. I wonder if we gave altar calls and said that was the cost of following Jesus. And I've got the scissors right here. It wasn't. Put your hand up if you feel a little something about maybe getting to know Jesus, perhaps give him a try. But instead, it was if if you really think this is real, you'll be willing to have a snip or two on your flesh. I mean, there was a reason why they did it. At whatever it was, ten or twelve days old. Do you know what I mean? You'd never remember it. But these these men, these grown men who were deciding that Yahweh was God were saying, and I will endure the pain because I believe it's true. Most of us don't endure the pain of real Christianity because we don't really believe it's true. Or maybe somehow just layers of dullness have stopped us really thinking about it. And we don't know how to shake off all the dirt that the Philistines have shoved in our well. Would you follow Jesus again today? If the pastor had a knife in his hand, let's not go there, shall we? It's just, it's just an awesome and disturbing thought. That, no, actually, I'm hoping to have my guilt washed away and a ticket to heaven when I die, but is it true to the point of pain? Personal loss. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? But you're alive at a pivot point in history. We really should be... I can see some of the young men are sitting a bit cross-eyed now. I've talked about circumcision. I do apologize. They're not looking at me anymore. They're looking at both sides of the room at the same time. Let's not find 20 years from now we've missed it. Because we were distracted by church. What we do and don't like. Or distracted by... Information has never been so loud, is it? Politics or whatever. So we're alive at a pivot point in history. Are we shaking off everything to run with perseverance, the race God's marked out for us? Um, Here's another one that, so, you know, practically that we're working through as a church is that through three separate sources, um, God has spoken to us the last few years about... Dismantling the galleon of revive—you'll have heard the word before—and and and some have have used words like and and turning it instead into many catamarans instead of one large galleon. And so there's a there's a a shifting and an unpicking going on, and it's probably making us all a bit uncomfortable. Certainly makes me uncomfortable. But I I see God at work as we have laid down plans in line with the prophetic word. I can just see God beginning to shift, but. Understand that is what God is doing. And I mean, it's great to see, actually, even as, because we're only like two months into this, which is why I bring it up again, even two months in, the overall amount of people coming to church across a Sunday has gone up as we've shifted into smaller uh, sites because we want to be more family, we want to be more together, we want to be more nimble, and we want to reach regions and not just be a commuter church that turns up on a Sunday, but rather... Touches the locality where we are, Amen. And we want to do that more and more. That alongside the half a dozen or so outreach locations like missional communities, but there's definitely a breaking down into smaller catamarans going on. And it feels uncomfortable. But can I can I just say, when God speaks, I don't know about you. I have no alternative but to go with it yeah. right, and to take the adventure. Yeah. Well, what will it end up like? Well, I don't know. I don't have a five-year plan. Why don't you have a five-year plan? Because I'm not in charge. I mean, if I get given one, I'll tell you what, you know, and even then I can get it wrong, can't we? But here's the thing. Don't fear getting it wrong with the words God gives you. Give it a whirl. Sometimes we miss the window. God says, move house, move house, move house. He whispers it like waves on the shore. Shh, move house. You can't. Move area, shift, adjust, you know. But eventually the voice gets quieter and quieter because essentially we've dulled our heart to the voice of God and you'll stop hearing You have to come back to go, God, I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing of what you say. So if I'm being dumb, would you shout? Have you ever prayed that? I God, can you just speak a bit clearer? It's noisy down here right now. Talk louder. I do not want to miss you. I hope you put your lives and your homes and your money on the altar of, I don't want to miss you, God. I don't want to miss out on what you've got for my life. I refuse to deliver a dull, fireless religion. I must have you in my life. I don't want my insecurities to be louder than your voice. I don't want my trauma to be louder than your voice. I don't want to build a life built on the victimhood of my history. I want to build it on your voice today into my life, telling me what to do. I want to create commands based around the voice of God into my soul. Either this is real or we go play golf every Sunday. Come on, if this is real, we give our lives. If it's not, we're absolute hypocrites, should go do something else. If this isn't real, don't give a penny to it. Don't be stupid. But if it is, give it your everything. Give it your everything. And I don't mean this. I mean give it your everything. Give give the concept. give the listening to God's voice, your everything. because he's doing something. It's a pivot point. So don't in this moment, where it's so easy to be distracted and perhaps a little bit traumatized and perhaps a little bit confused, to give up along the way. Don't. Whatever you do, don't give up because he's real. And just like it was confusing to follow Jesus, well, in the Bible, it's still, hallelujah, confusing to follow Jesus. But we'll make it through, because he's real, amen? God, shake us. And then, um, I think it was during the the first lockdown, I, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was... Um, introducing a guest speaker at a large kind of it was like a revived service like we used to have hundreds of people there and I was introducing this guest speaker and just as I was introducing the guest speaker all of you guys started to run out the back door I was very annoyed at you um, in my dream and you're running out the back door and um, and I turned to I don't know who it was but there was a leader on the platform I said where are they going And he said, they're so desperate to preach the gospel, they're going now. They can't, they they didn't even want to wait for the next guest speaker. They're going now. And at that moment, I woke up in my irritation. Well, I I was half pleased because I thought that sounds like revival, but I was also irritated because I planned this guest speaker. I I was now embarrassed. So, but I woke up, and as I woke up, the words, the church has left the building just hit my spirit. And... And again, when God speaks, you have to start to work around what it means. And um, I think something is really shifting. And well, I know this globally. Something's really shifting in the model of church, from what I'm going to call just work with my my crude sense of modeling here you know what we're in here is a model of church what we're doing this morning is a model of how to do church and it's mainly that most people will be around on a sunday morning and then you have lots of smaller things off the back of that everything from home-based groups to projects to prayer meetings but the, the time that everybody's together um is usually a sunday morning and it's, different in different churches because there are models at play but so really what we have run on in churches like revive years i'm going to call it a sunday morning model okay sunday morning service model just work with me on that um the the reality that this kind of model of church is really beginning to struggle should i tell you how part how, how i a few reasons why i know even people devoted to revive, at any one, at any given Sunday, less than half the membership would come to a Sunday service. On any given Sunday, less than half. If everybody turned up, there'd be 460 of us. We wouldn't fit in any of the buildings that we've got. You can almost rely on the fact. Now, what? I, now, is that evil, rebellious? No. I, hang on a minute. No. Just come a bit further with me into thinking about it. Um, uh, You know when something is of God because it satisfies your soul. So when it starts to fail to satisfy your soul like a good meal, the most honest among us in some level can't help but disconnect and get disenfranchised. Do you know what I'm finding more and more? I am meeting more and more and more Christians who are wonderful, God-loving Christians. But I I don't know what to call them. They're de-churched. Come on, you know them. You've all got friends who love God and read their Bible. I'm not talking about the backslidden rebels. I'm talking about the ones that love God, want to serve God in their jobs, want to see God come. They they love the Bible. They'll come. They'll come to a church sometimes. But essentially, there's something in them that is disconnected from this model. There's somehow it just isn't quite doing it for me. Does anybody, are you looking at me like I'm a complete sinner saying this? Yes, it's the pastor of a church saying this out loud. Something is lifting off the Sunday morning model. But I want you to understand it is only a model. And while some of us would die for a certain model, not let, you know, we just want to keep doing the thing that we're used to. Can I just say there are other models and they're bubbling up in the earth right now. There's seven day models. There's there's models where church is always open. There's models where church is small and in a home or small and in a coffee shop. There's there's models where it's half online and half in person, like a hybrid version of it. And something is bubbling up. And I believe it's not amongst the rebellious necessarily. It's amongst the the, the forward thinkers. It's among the, the, the early adopters. Some are people going, there must be more to church than the tradition of a Sunday morning and God would say from heaven yes there is I never told you to meet on a Sunday morning I told you to never stop gathering but I didn't say it had to be a Sunday morning and that was the mark of ultimate Christianity it's that we meet together and get on with the thing that God's told us to do I said it out loud Dave oh unbelievable and and half of them think I'm a right pagan now doesn't matter I quite like that feeling you see, what was that? I read this week, if you're, if you're one step ahead, everybody thinks you're creative and clever. If you're two steps ahead, they think you're mad. Listen, God is doing something. I am meeting more on fire, de-churched people bubbling up around the world. And I'm going, oh, what's going on here? This isn't backsliding or rebellion. This is forward thinking to new models that are bubbling up right now that maybe some of our obsession about authority structures and that, you know, God doesn't look down from heaven and see separate charities. He just gives my family, my family. When I complain to God that somebody leaves my church, God says, well, nobody left my church. You know, they just went from there to there. I'm perfectly happy. It's you that's got the problem. How's it about We started burning up the, 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 the ego stuff and the empire stuff. We started burning up some... See, see all prophets feel like rebels. Some of you have had rebellious thoughts for years, and you think, it's because I'm a bad rebel? No, it's because you smell the future before others in the room, and you go, well, that's not quite working, is it? And you, and you get us at, well, where's God leading? Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. You, you've, you're the ones that have bought into, but listen, there are more revived members not here than are here. call voting with your feet so this is why we're in a pivot point where the church has left the building orientated structured ways and methods that were functioning well even a decade ago less than a decade ago but it was two or three years before lockdown that i could see this model in revive in decline we're going to have to and i when COVID hit i was like phew great a pause we can think because God is up to something in the church where actually the soul the the, the main mm, expression of your spirituality is not the tick box of a Sunday morning but rather a life devoted to Christ and to each other and to the kingdom coming and going on adventures and seeing God move and and we've got to use we've got to use every resource we have from money to people better this will shock you. This will shock you. Listen, because this conversation is going on around the world. That's why I know I'm not on my own. Some of you think it's wild. Listen, in the American church, if you, if you took the total income of the American church and divided it by the amount of people saved in a given year, it costs them one and a half million dollars per soul. Just let that sink in. That's how much we're spending on the model, and that's the result. How much did Jesus spend on the model? Nothing. He just looked at people, said, go. Get on with it. He didn't say, go and run Sunday service. Go and run church. He said, no, go and reach people. Go and transform the world. I'm not here preaching to you don't come on a Sunday I'm saying we're all feeling a frustration but it's a prophetic frustration it's not rebellion it is a longing for something more that has to happen in our lifetime where we say God we want a move of God we can't sit here singing our few songs and listening to our sermons till you come again we want to see a move of God in our hearts and in our lives I want to see a God that makes a difference to my home and my children and my finances it is not enough to play church we must have God and sometimes that requires a dismantling of the galleon to go guys yeah I, I know you love it but I love you not it God says I love you not it I love you you are the church not it so it's deeply ingrained you'll go home at lunch and say we've gone to church I mean that is absolute error and we've, we've told everybody for 30 years but we still say it I'm going to church. I've been to church. No, 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 no. Theological heresy. You are the church. Thank you, both of you. We are the church. So when you gather in a coffee shop and you pray with your friends and you go out to see people saved, you get together with a work colleague, but they're from a different charity, so we're not in the same church. No, 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 heresy. You are in the same church, but we get together over lunch and we pray, and then we try to see what influence of the kingdom we can bring to our office, to our ward, to our workplace, and all of heaven going. That's delightful, you know. But Sunday mornings, I sometimes wonder if God turns up. Do you know what I mean? Okay, that was a bit naughty. Even Keith took a gasp then at that one. God delights it when we do God things. And the, I, what I'm trying to get at is half of you even in this room you are so faithful when the model is 20 years out of date you would still be here and that is a sign of your worship but also there's a, there's a tension inside going but there must be more I don't want to give up on God and my way of expressing that is I don't give up on us meeting as a family and that's good but I want to bring a leader's endorsement to the feeling that you have because I have the same feeling There must be more than a few songs in a preach on a Sunday morning. There must be more power available there is. There must be more adventures to have. There are. There must be other ways to express what I feel inside of my love for Jesus and the fact that I want to be in healthy community. There absolutely are. This is just one model. And I believe what God is doing around the world right now is shifting the models and adjusting them. Is that going to be messy? Yes. Will people hemorrhage in the process because they haven't got the patience to get from here to here so they jump instead thinking, well, I've just had enough of it all. Yes, they do all the time. But if we endure as a family and we get through this process as a family, we're going to find that I believe God leads us to a new land, to a city whose architect and builder is God, to a place where we can go, ah, okay, this makes sense now. We're not stuck in 1970s Pentecostal, which is essentially what this is. We have found the God of the 21st century. We've found things that work for people that work longer hours than ever before, are more distracted than ever before, live in splintered families and blended families like never before. We've become a place of love in a real home. Hurting world. While we hold ideals, we hold our arms out to the world that needs grace. Or to all those, you know, that don't fit the, the, the ancient idealism of Christianity. To the single mums. Not not an ounce of shame or guilt as they as they come among and, 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 and people that have have, have have gone through all sorts of trials and trauma. Wow, if only this could be a place of love. A place of circles of love instead of rows of eventing. Do you know what I mean? Just imagine it. Does anybody else feel like this? Am I on my own? Maybe I am. Maybe it's just me and Janice and Keith and Remy. and Okay, and, you know, quite a, there must be more. And I believe, even in the last five years, God has been building up to, I'm about to dismantle what's been to take you into what will be. And it'll at times feel confusing. At times it'll feel boring. At times you'll feel schizophrenic because you're half in what was and half in what is going to be. I just want to say to you, family, endure. Because what you're feeling is genuine and you shouldn't be made to feel rebels for there's got to be more than this. I feel it loudly. But the, but as well, the drawing of heaven. And I, I haven't got a five-year plan for it, but I've got a sense of... There's adventures to be had. I mean, I'm more excited by those among us that are saying, Can we can we do a, a little missional community in our in our village, our town, our suburb? We just want to reach people. And we might bring them to church or we might get them into a church near where we live, but 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 you know, more than the Sunday thing, it's the reaching others thing that really burns in my heart. And I'll be honest, if we use up all our resources on the Sunday thing, People and money, and we've got no time left for the reaching thing. Well, this has to change. That's why, that's why we started doing what we call simple church. We just simplified. You know, we we cut to go. No, there's got to be more. You're not a rebel. You're a king's kid, and you can sense the the dictates of heaven washing over your heart. There's more. There's more. You're not a rebel. There's more. Don't worry if you have some boring Sundays. I'm bored too, says the Lord, but there's more coming, right? There's adventures coming. You're allowed to smile. God. Do it in us. Amen. to, To me, the church has left the building. That word actually had no impact on our adjustments to our building journey, strictly speaking. Oh, I did sense, you know, just the part of I'm not living to fill a building. Jesus didn't turn around at the end of Matthew and the end of Mark and say, go into all the world and fill buildings and have big mortgages. So it's it's been radical and wild, but listen, there are adventures to be had. So, So we're shaping the church for the future with things that God has said. But how are you doing with shaping your life for the future with what God said to you? Not enough for us to tick the same boxes we ticked 10 years ago and that's it and then we're just slightly adjusting life you know we just as we head toward retirement we adjust it as, i don't know how to go beyond retirement we're grave anyway um, we, you know we've just got these stages and we're actually no different but we tick one three six boxes based around a sunday morning service model of christianity but miss the adventure that he died to give you and I. Amen. <laughs> Just close your eyes a minute. I'll stop there. I've got more, but I think I've tormented you enough. Lord, I've probably not done a very good job, but I hope people grasp that there is more. There's more. There's more. Right now around the world, there are persecuted groups of Christians meeting in homes, praying early in the morning, seeing miracles, seeing the dead raised. They never get to go to a Sunday morning service with hundreds, but they're your church. Today, there are modern monastic communities rising up where those that feel called to give seven days a week to prayer and encounter or to a place that's almost like a mountain of God that others can come and be refreshed and healed and sent back out to the battle again God we thank you that this church is even in our city bubbling up in coffee shops and in homes we submit again to your declaration that you will build your church and I believe in this room there are hopes and dreams for the future and and It's not always been possible to see how they fit life as it's shaped now. But I believe God would say to you, I am reorganizing your world. And soon you are going to see that your dreams fit. Soon you're going to see that your dreams fit. And you'll smile and you'll laugh and your heart will be filled with joy. The perspective will have changed. The fires of devotion will grow stronger. The fire of intimacy will be brighter and you'll run in the things that I've called you to run in. God, as we go through this season of remodeling and readjusting, all that that may or may not mean, we say we trust you, God. We trust you. But... We do want to live a genuine, authentic, Christian life in this age in which we live. We want to see revival in the nation. We want to see Parliament turned upside down by the glory of God. We want to see so many more people saved and set ablaze. Not saved to a model of church, but saved by the Savior. Saved to the Savior. Saved to love Jesus. Saved to grasp that we are the church and that you're burning something new in us in this time. So, God, stir as we pray. Stir as we pray. Why don't we just stand and pray for a moment as we close? Just pray in tongues if you.